0: you know ellie we really are the last of us part two welcome to triple click where we bring the games to you today we are talking about the last of us two once again now that kirk and i have had a chance to play it we're gonna get into the first half of the game so let's get
1: to it shall we I'm Jason Schreier.
2: I'm Maddie Myers. And I'm
1: Kirk Hamilton. And welcome back to Triple Click.
2: Yay! Woo hoo!
1: We're here. We're back. And hey, it's 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 my two <laughs> lovely co-hosts. It's nice to see you again. So vital stuff up front. Thank you so much to everybody who has been spreading the word about Triple Click. We've seen some nice little write-ups from a couple people. Yeah, it's putting us on lists Ooh. of best podcasts. Those are nice. Those, Love those lists. Those add up. It's nice to be put on a list. So yeah, thanks everybody for sharing us. This is our ninth full episode. So our next episode will be our 10th episode. We're still a pretty young show and we appreciate people spreading the word. We also appreciate everyone who's become a member of Maximum Fun to uh, directly support us making this show. And if you would like to do that and also get access to upcoming Beans Casts, a.k.a. Spoiler Casts on games, and maybe other things, too, Uh, once per month. You can join Maximum Fun at MaximumFun.org slash join. That gets you some other stuff, too. That gets you like bonus episodes from every Maximum Fun show, Mm -hmm. but it does get you those from us. And it also helps us make this show, which is the name of the game. So, yeah, thanks to the members. And
0: the next Beans Cast is going to be Control. Right. It is. We're about to record that one. And then after that, in July, we're gonna do a beans
1: cast on The Last of Us Part Two.
2: That is right. Speaking of The Last <laughs> of Us Part Two, a very
1: fun game about playing guitar and smoking weed. The Last of Us Part Two is now out. Jason and I have both played like ten, twelve hours of it. Maddie, of course, has finished it. A lot of you probably listened to Maddie talking with Rob Zachney last week. And now We're all going to talk about it. Isn't that right?
2: That is right. But we want to give everybody a little warning up top, an important spoiler warning. We are going to spoil... Beans.
0: We're going to spill beans. We are going
2: to spill beans. You're right. We're not going to spoil anything. We're just going to spill a lot of beans that are totally fair to spill. And those beans are all of the first The Last of Us game and the Left Behind DLC so if you're in the midst of playing those you know hit that pause button and also we're going to talk about what happens in the first couple hours of The Last of Us Part 2 and that may not sound so bad to you if you don't know what happens in the first couple hours of The Last (laughs) (laughs) of Us Part 2 but these are some significant plot details that I was not allowed to include as part of the embargo and that were not in the marketing and were kept secret. Which is ridiculous. Because
0: like, ever anyone who watched the original trailer the game was announced in like 2016 and i think the first thing i said i i must have been talking to
1: one of you guys <laughs>
2: you predicted what might happen jason
1: take it easy we're not, <laughs> don't say the spoiler yet where the spoiler warning is still in process jason let's let the spoiler warning finish before jason we say just the spoilers. Wants everyone
2: to know he guessed what the spoilers were because <laughs> yes, he's yes. very smart i mean i
1: i guess that too i think a lot of people do
0: <laughs> i think most people do i actually yeah I, that's not the point at all let's
2: let's finish
1: the spoiler warning before we talk about the spoiler fuck Any anyway
2: anyway, spoiler warning complete we're going to talk <laughs> about go. the video game now Thank <laughs> okay, you. Honey.
1: okay so
0: right. I think anyone who watched that initial reveal trailer was probably like okay you're gonna play as Ellie it's like a quest on about why revenge. would you play like, as it, it Ellie very, hmm, was, what might it happen really, <laughs> it hinted very strongly that Joel was going to die at the beginning of the game and right. even I mean I don't think I ever didn't think he was going to die I guess I just right. I didn't know exactly when it would happen um, right. and then when the lead spoilers started coming out someone like spoiled for me on twitter like joel gets bashed in the head by a golf club um mm-hmm. and but I, we didn't people, know when think, that happened right yeah. so i think at the time people thought it was going to be the end of the game um right but at least i did at least that's the context me too. i thought me so too. i was like damn oh no i was spoiled but so i was relieved when it happened in the first couple hours although i wasn't relieved mm-hmm. to see gratuitous <laughs> gore and
2: blood <laughs> you, um, I, I was just i breathed a sigh of relief as joel's head was getting bashed <laughs> in with that golf club i was like phew Thank God, um, we're getting rid of that guy. Just kidding. Which
0: kind of leads me to the (laughs) first point I wanted to make about this game, which is that, so I am just into day two, I think towards the end of day two. um, And so pretty far in, I think I'm like 10 hours in um, and in I like it I, I'm, in, I'm enjoying playing it, yeah in Seattle I'm enjoying playing it, I'm enjoying the, the, the way that it works and it's beautiful and there are a lot of great scenes especially the flashback scenes, especially the quiet moments between Ellie and Dina there's a lot that I really mm-hmm. like about this game but the thing that I'm not a huge fan of is the gratuitous violence and it's so gratuitous and so ultra realistic and so doesn't hit for me in the same way that maybe The First Last of Us violence did, maybe because it's so much more realistic, or maybe because it's uh, that I'm kind of just, like, over these stories that are, like, violence combined with emotional pathos, and here we're gonna show you all this stuff. Um, So maybe it's that, I don't know exactly. Um, But I keep thinking about how, like, the video game industry has spent so much time defending itself against accusations that video games make you violent, that it it hasn't given enough time to thinking about, wait a minute, should we really do ultra-realistic violence? Is this really necessary in our giant Triple A story games. Anyway, I could do without seeing Ellie get stabbed to death every single time I die. Like gory, eviscerated <laughs> screams. God, it's it's a little much for me. Kirk, what are your general thoughts on the game?
1: So yeah, um, I, w- I want to talk about the story, but just my experience of it. I I like it so far. Or yeah, I think it's. I mean, like is a weird word. It's a hard one to talk about because it's not a pleasant experience playing it. It's not mm-hmm. meant to be. Um, I'm generally finding it to be pretty like, grueling and punishing and emotionally tough. Um, I was a big fan of the first game and a huge fan of Left Behind, the DLC, which centered on Ellie and, like, there's a lot of left behind in this. And actually, I was also a big fan of Uncharted Lost Legacy, which there's a lot of that game just mechanically in this as well. Mm -hmm. So um, it's got a lot of the Naughty Dog stuff that I like and uh, doesn't feel to me like kind of ponderous in that way than Uncharted did. So I'm, like, very drawn into this game. I'm playing it and I'm very engrossed. I quibble with calling the violence gratuitous, only because gratuitous, the word to me at least, implies that it doesn't need to be there. And I do think it needs to be there for what this game is trying to do. This game has a point. It is, to me at least so far, absolutely like a worthy artistic exercise. And, the, I mean, Neil Druckmann, the other writers, the people who made this game are trying to say something.
2: Haley Gross, by the way. Is the other Um, one?
1: Yes, there's two writers, is that right? Yep. She's the other writer. Okay.
2: And many hundreds of other people who were. Sure, sure. I'm I'm kinda
1: just trying to like (laughs) cast the wide net so that we're not just saying it's this like one person or two people. But they're they're trying to say something, and I do think that they're saying it via the extreme violence that's on screen. I think that's like a really important thing to say to anybody who's thinking about playing the game. Like it's the most horrible shit I've seen in a game in a long time, but it doesn't feel gratuitous to me in the way that a like just stupid ultra violent game can sometimes feel gratuitous. Like it doesn't feel celebratory. It feels awful. It feels heavy. It feels like grueling. Like I said, it's a very effortful game, like just everything about it. And I think that that works insofar as like it, it, it's a it's of a piece of something that they're making. It's not pleasant, and I totally understand playing it and being like, man, this is not for me, or this is not what I'm looking for right now, or, this, or I'm having a hard time getting through it. But I'm all right with it, and I think that some of it, to kind of tie into what you were saying, Jason, is just that like I've just spent so many years playing really violent video games that I'm kind of just...
2: Desensitized? I'm
1: like okay with it <laughs> on some level. Yeah, I'm desensitized. And yeah. It takes something like this to shock me, and I don't know fully what to make of that, and obviously my impressions of this game are still in progress, right. but that it is shocking me, and it takes something on this level, on this level of like realisticness to do that, so yeah, that's, that's uh, part of my take anyway. So I should yeah. say that
0: when I'm talking about the gratuitous violence, um, maybe it's because I... I'm not very good at this game and so I die a lot but every Ah. single time that I see Uh Ellie get bitten by a clicker or get Mm -hmm. stabbed by some dude or shot to death it's Mm -hmm. like that Tomb Raider Lara Croft porny violence (laughs) thing where it's just like they
2: sure do give it to you like death porn
0: like I I just don't want to see any of that so that's the thing I guess I'm reacting to most but yes I, I guess I guess I'm also I guess it's not as gratuitous when Ellie is actually killing people and as part of the plot because that is what it's going for? But it can be that her dying is not part of the plot, so that's that feels pretty. Yeah,
2: I mean, I guess it depends on how often you do melee attacks. Like I did a lot of them, and some of them are quite <laughs> gratuitous. Oh my like goodness. you are slicing I mean, open a trachea, and you are seeing mm-hmm, that blood yeah. spatter out. And like I really enjoyed sneaking up on people and doing those those melee style attacks. So I feel like I saw the whole collection of those violent animations over the course of the game and also got pretty desensitized to them. I I think, I mean, I did talk about the violence a lot in this game, and Kirk, I'll be really curious to know how you feel about the game once you've beaten it. Because right now, you two are actually at the point of the game where I was still enjoying it as well (laughs) like I enjoyed the first 10 to 12 hours of this game I thought that it was setting up an interesting story it's probably worth noting as well that this game is told out of order in some ways that I think Mm -hmm. work very well and I'd love to hear from you too about whether you feel like that's working for you or not but that also meant that then the second half of the game I felt like my expectations had been raised by the first half and then I was not
1: right. thrilled
2: with where it went, but but <laughs> I don't know that you guys will agree with me, and I think I think sure, that'll sure. be interesting to get to. But you're still in the part of the game that I think does show some restraint, and there are a lot of there's a lot of blend between like an hour of a quiet moment and then an hour right. of like extreme violence and the game does that trade off a lot. So, I mean, we we made a joke about how the game is about smoking weed, but like there is a scene where you discover a weed stash Great and it freaking yeah. owns. Like, what did you guys think about those parts?
1: So yeah, the structural thing you're talking about, I think is really interesting. And I also want to talk about like the weed smoking, the guitar mini game. Yes. Like there are these moments of, of beauty and really cool stuff in this game that do stand in contrast to the violence. And yeah, to sort of, just to look at the structure Structure of this game and the way they're telling this story um, I've been interested at least as someone who's played a lot of Naughty Dog games to just look at what they're choosing from and they're picking like structurally from all the games that I've liked so if I recall correctly I may be wrong about this but I think I've got this right The Last of Us The first Last of Us was told in a direct straight line. It had a huge time leap at the very beginning, which Mm -hmm. is that, like, very shocking, like, 10 years later, I think it is, where, like, 20 years later, it's, like, this huge leap, and you're, like, oh, my God, and, like, the whole world has changed. But from there, there's some blackout spaces where, like, you lose time, and then you come back, but it pretty much moves forward in one line, and that's a... Well, it moves in seasons, it's, like... Summer, winter, spring, center. Yeah, right, um, and it and but it's linear, and then yes. the um, left behind. I believe was the first game since Uncharted Two, both of which um, Neil Druckmann was involved with. Um, To tell a a story that was out of time, Mm -hmm. so uh, Uncharted Two, really cool game. That is like starts with uh, Nathan Drake hanging off in the train, remember? And he's like recovering, and everything's gone pear shaped. And then you flash back, and it like keeps flashing forward and back. And then Three also had flashbacks, catches up to real time, right? Yeah, but Three I just don't like as much. But Two I think was (laughs) the first time. Well, Two was the first time that they started doing that, and it was used very effectively. Mm -hmm. So then Left Behind does the same thing where it's like flashing between these two storylines. And uh, you know Ellie is with Joel in the, or trying to like save his life basically in that mall, and she's also fighting off outlaws and clickers. That's actually where they first introduce the idea of like human enemies and infected in the same space, which is has been used in some pretty incredible ways in the sequel. Mm -hmm. Um, And then with these like totally peaceful flashback times to her and her at the time friend, and this sort of their friendship, and then how Ellie discovered she was immune. But really, just sort of the story of friendship. And, uh, you know, Sexual Awakening, too, I guess. And, like, it's just, like, a whole really amazing story. Mm -hmm. And it was also where Left Behind was where um, Naughty Dog, these developers, started experimenting with a lot of the tricks that they then used in Uncharted 4 and are using here. These sort of, like, repurposing gameplay systems, like hunting and shooting in a nonviolent setting. Like, I think it's like a squirt gun fight or something or a nerf gun fight that they have.
2: It's Yeah, it's Nerf guns, I think, yeah.
1: Right, All right. and then it's Nerf guns in Uncharted 4, at least. You're, like, sneaking around with a Nerf gun. And then in this game, there's also, like, a part where you're having, like, a snowball fight with kids, like, mm-hmm. uh, kind of near the beginning. That's part of the game.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: And so it's, like, that stuff is really cool, and they've been using that so well here. There's a direct callback that I won't spoil in um, The Last of Us Part Two a little later to one of the most beautiful video game moments I, one of my favorite video game moments ever, um, Ellie at the Arcade Machine in um, in Left Behind. Mm-hmm. And it's, I don't know, there's like a lot of really cool stuff like that. And I think that that structure works in part to bring it back to the violence thing because you get these flashbacks to peaceful moments. And you also learn what's gone on between Ellie and Joel because when the story picks up, We're at a certain point with Ellie and Joel. Like, there's a tension between them. They're trying to figure their stuff out, but it's not clear how much she knows. Yeah, Yeah, like what's going on, like the events of the end of the first game, like what she knows, what she doesn't know, what Mm -hmm. else might have happened in between. And it's fun how they've structured it to like lay that out and tell you what happened at moments that it
2: matters. I think it's
1: like, well done
0: yeah I'd play a game that was just those quiet moments those are my favorite parts of the game the part <laughs> that was where, how
2: I started to feel yeah. too I was like <laughs> well, you the- guys could have just made this game <laughs> yeah anyway.
0: well so not a lot of AAA games just like have the balls to be like okay you're gonna spend the next hour like diving in water and bantering with Joel and then winding up at a dinosaur museum and exploring all the exhibits and putting on an astronaut helmet and pretending you're in space and we're not gonna give you any combat for an hour mm-hmm. and I'm glad that they did that and I'm glad that like Naughty Dog t- is taking that risk and doing that stuff but like yeah me too it almost it makes me appreciate that part of the game so much more that i almost want an entire game that's just that stuff
1: and like the talking and the (laughs) gone home of it all the the walking sim i mean isn't that the point of contrast though like contrast is supposed to make you feel that way right that's on purpose well so sorry
0: I should say that I don't appreciate the contrast like the (laughs) contrast makes me hate the violent parts all the more and like makes me crave those Like it it might just be that like my tastes in gaming have just evolved especially since the first Last of Us because I've been thinking a lot about my reactions to the first game and how much I love that game and one of the things I love most about that game was the storytelling and the way that like in so many video games characters were just written to say what they thought at all times and this was a game that like had subtlety and like Joel and Ellie like weren't actually like saying what they thought and it just mm-hmm. felt like a real story like about two real people who developed this relationship that was just like unlike anything I had seen in a game before. And that in combination with like the bleak territory and the violence and it all really worked for me. And I don't think this is working as well in large part because so many games have taken from The Last of Us over the past seven years. And we played so many great story games and so many games that are like doing such interesting things with the story. Um, even like God of War, like I feel like God of War took all these ideas from The Last of Us and just like made this incredible game out of it um, and yeah I, I don't know I guess I just did, the bleakness isn't doing as much for me um, after playing like I don't know Outer Wilds like I want to play games with quiet moments and, yeah. and great peaceful storytelling and well not peaceful story, any like great storytelling but also like peaceful moments and not just like sneak around collecting crafting materials and upgrading trees and stabbing dudes in the neck and i don't know i'm just not into those parts as much as maybe i would be five years ago who knows
1: yeah, I think there's, I mean, I, I think this game is actually phenomenally effective at what it's trying to do. I mean, even the thing that you're discussing about the contrast is like, the game is absolutely trying to do that. So it's not a failure. It's actually wildly successful, even in these in this first half. And I don't know, maybe narratively there are some missteps down the road, but from what I've played, you might love it's it. felt, maybe, <laughs> but it's felt wildly successful at setting up the contrast and showing us that a more beautiful better world is possible, but at the same time or like might be possible in a dream, but that in this world it's just not. And everyone's on the same page, like everyone who worked on this game. Ashley Johnson who plays Ellie, holy shit, like this performance must have been really tough or I I guess like doing this kind of like mocap voice work, I don't even know like what the process is like, but just the viciousness, like her character, his is really deteriorating. Like, as I'm watching this game, I mean, she is like in this just total, like, death march of murder. And. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's a kind of story. Like, The Walking Dead is, like, one of the most popular TV shows, and people watch season after season after season of it. I feel like I see ads, and they're like, season 75 of The Walking Dead, like, still the highest rated cable show, where I lost my appetite for that stuff a while ago as well, in general. In this game, because I'm bought in with the series, because the game itself is fun to play, which we can maybe talk about in a second, like, I'm I'm drawn in, and I want to know what's going to happen, even though this is not the kind of story that I typically go to, like... And, Maddie, you, you mentioned this in your review. You and Rob talked about this some as well. It's also, it is something that I don't know how many video games need to do this. Like, it's kind of like a broader critique, and it doesn't totally... It's like a separate critique from the one of the main game. But we live in a world where, I mean, the first Last of Us existed for starters, but also Spec Ops The Line existed. And, like, Spec Ops The Line has a lot in common with this game. Spec mm-hmm. Ops The Line, have either of you played that game? I can't remember. Yes. Yeah. You have? Okay. So that game is this totally, like, self-aware player-indicting critique of violence. It is. It becomes this total death march where, like, you slog your way to the end, killing thousands and thousands of people, and the game, like, it really cleverly in a lot of ways, like totally makes you aware that you're complicit in this and that your protagonist is not a hero. And um Walt Williams, the writer of that game, he gave this great talk at GDC, and the quote that I always remember from it is along the line paraphrasing, but he's like Your protagonist in a video game can never be more morally good than the primary mechanic of the video game. Like, whatever the main thing you spend (laughs) your time doing in a game, you can't ask the audience to really believe that the character is good if the main thing they're doing is murdering people, for example. And that's very true in Spec Ops. That's very true here. I mean, we're not asked to think that Ellie is rad for murdering these people. In fact, the game goes to these great lengths to remind you of the people, like, barring even, like, some of the more greater lengths it goes to in, on this front, like, just moment-to-moment gameplay, like, you're constantly being reminded that you're murdering people. It's not mm-hmm. pleasant. Those murder animations? Holy shit. Like, yeah,
0: it's, it gets, hali- well, the, when they start shouting the names, it gets kind of hilarious. They do shout each point. other's
2: It names. does not it's have true. the effect
1: that it wanted to.
2: It's working for it Kurt, does on though, me. I can tell. It does <laughs> on you. No, I, think it's, I think
1: it's actually, I think it's effective. Like, I, I understand like, that you could see it as goofy, but, Everything about the AI in this game blows me away because they do it so much. That's the problem for me. Yeah, but you like would do time. that. It's believable to me. It feels. F- I mean, I guess so, but like not every time. Sometimes it's just as simple as a person being like, "No!" Like in the way that you would if you just saw like someone you actually knew get killed, and it just is. So different from the kinds of enemy barks you hear in video games. Barks, for anyone who doesn't know, that's like what enemies call out. It's like a way of informing the player. I wrote about this at Kotaku back in the day a lot. But like those kinds of barks anguished things, players or like characters expressing loss. And then, yeah, saying the names. I don't know. Like everyone has a different name. It isn't like you just keep hearing them be like, Andy. No, no, I've, I've been hearing the same ones over and over again. Oh really? I've hmm. never heard the same. Is it name. because
2: you aren't very good at the game, Jason? Is it, could that it could be. It could be playing a role. <laughs> You've just killed
0: Mark a lot of times.
2: <laughs> he just can't kill Mark. He just can't get it done.
0: <laughs> they caveat here when I say I'm not good at the game. I I guess it's not quite that. It's more that whenever I play a stealth game, I've talked about this before. I have this tick of like whenever I get caught, I just kill myself. Like let, let everybody kill me because I don't oh, want to not you... be caught. Yeah. So oh,
1: you're missing out. Yeah. That,
0: the thing about this game is how reactive. I it know is. that's not how I should play this game. It's just, but it's not. It's I I just do it instinctively. Like it's not even something I'm thinking about. I'm just like, oh, got caught. All right, time to time to reset. So that mm. might alter how I'm experiencing a lot of this. I stuff. think you but, should um,
1: try embracing running away and resetting because the AI is super reactive in this game to a like yes. crazy extent. It feels extremely believable and cool. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. No, I, I've done that too. I, I enjoy the, the mechanics I'm enjoying quite a bit. Like I really like the, the way that everything works. It just feels mm-hmm. it, it feels very good to play and the sneaking and the crawling feels very Metal Gear five inspired crawling, in some yeah. good ways. Um and I like creeping around and, and <laughs> although it, it's not quite as satisfied to creep around and like stab someone when you have to actually watch, like, Ellie's knife, like, really rip their throat out. Doesn't quite have the she's same... She's like,
1: shut the fuck up, die, and you're like, whoa.
2: You don't think it feels
0: good? Yeah, I just, I mean, honestly, I don't I don't really see why there's no narrative reason that she can't just knock people out, but whatever. Maybe because she's a, a 19-year-old girl and doesn't have the physical strength, but she seems pretty strong, so, I don't know, but that's beside that's the point. Yeah, um,
2: I mean, I think we're supposed to believe that she wants to kill these people. I guess it's sort of debatable. Yeah, sure. The game also shows a lot of restraint when it comes to spelling out what Ellie's actual motivations are, and you guys mm-hmm. aren't far enough, haven't seen enough flashbacks right. to know every conversation she's had with yet, right. for example, and so who's to say? But I, I do think that you're supposed to think on some level that Ellie enjoys some of the kills she's pulling off. I, she I does,
1: and she'll be like, fuck you, or like, fuck right. yeah, you know? When yeah. There's a kind of a yeah. grim enjoyment, but she does seem to get satisfaction out of right. it.
2: Right. Even if you, the player, don't. Although I think that tension is also a part of the game as well. I mean, I, I think that this is a note that they land on a lot, and whether it works for you or not is, is also up for interpretation. But I, I... Will admit that I enjoyed killing people in this video game, and I think you were absolutely supposed to enjoy doing it. Yeah,
0: well, the satisfaction of like capturing someone, like getting someone behind and knowing that you got them and like you outwitted them—that's always going to be there, right? Um, Something I keep thinking about. So, to your point, Kirk, about how the 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 one mechanic you use in the game, like the morality of the of the character, et cetera, et cetera. I was thinking about this. How I was in the synagogue. There's this fantastic Mm -hmm. moment, one of my famous favorite moments of the game so far. It's great when Ellie and Dina are in the synagogue, and Dina talks about how. she comes from this long line of survivors, and I was like, "Oh, like Jewish representation in a video game? Cool, fantastic scene. Really loved it. Really loved being in that synagogue. Um, and then I was exploring a little bit, and like I saw something uh, that was like tiny print, and there's no way to like zoom in on something with the camera except if you point your gun at it. And I was like pointing my gun to examine this like beautiful piece of artwork or text in in the synagogue, and I was like, "Yep, this is a video game as <laughs> video game, and it's like such a triple A video game thing that it's like this this world class team of talented like engineers and artists and all these people who have like blown my mind with what they can do technologically in this game from like the rope technology that people were raving about the other day on twitter to the beautiful environments and art and oh, yeah. everything about this game the shirts the shirts, the shirts are legit when she puts her hood on, I'm
1: like, "You put your hood on, just just like it was nothing."
0: But then, then like like taking taking all that talent and using it to just do like more triple A violence, crafting, shooting, whatever, like the same sorts of things that you've seen before over and over again. Yeah, I don't know. It just kind of feels like a waste to me. Almost that
2: is absolutely the story that Neil Druckmann and to a lesser extent everyone else in this game wanted to tell. I know, like, and
0: that is that is uh, that seems like a waste to me. Like I, I, I wish mean, that like like this caliber of talent was applied to like creative game mechanics and I wish we didn't We that the industry wasn't such that this game has to sell X million copies because it costs Y million dollars to make and therefore it has to have everything that will appeal to millions of gamers and blah 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 we all know the drill it just I don't know it it bums me out a little bit that's just been on my mind as I play
1: yeah I think I would feel that way more if there weren't at this point such an abundance of games like you're describing that I can also play that like if someone wants to make this kind of game and pour this kind of resource into it like sure I'd love to play a game that had this kind of attention paid to it that wasn't about murdering people I guess but I am okay with it if people are like no I want to tell this kind of a story I want to like do this kind of a thing and we're going to really do the shit out of it and like make it the most technologically impressive like performance impressive video game ever made and like I guess that's fine with me like I I don't have that like big that high level gripe with it Mm -hmm. like I think it's allowed to just be what it is as long as the people making it wanted to make it and tell the story that they wanted to tell. And to me, at least so far, it's very confident. I mean, it's very clearly like, this is the story we wanted to tell, this is how we're telling it. And I've, you know, as is true with a lot of Naughty Dog games, I've never seen this kind of confidence. Like, they just are on a different level. I mean, the performances and the animations, like forget the guitar mini game which is like already more detailed than everything in any video game ever made like the strings friggin vibrate accurately um but like the fate like, it leaves room for ambiguity, I guess, in a way that I so far have have appreciated. We've been talking about Ellie's motivation. It's not totally clear how she feels. And I think she doesn't know how she feels, at least in this part that I'm playing, either. She's, like, driven by blind rage. She's not actually sure why she's doing what she's doing. She's pretty lost. And, like, it's increasingly fucking with her, especially a few recent scenes that I've played are, like, really crazy. And, like, she's, you know, going... Like, she doesn't know what she's doing. She's, like, traumatized and out of control. And... There's no way to depict that kind of a headspace without some kind of ambiguity because, like, when a character doesn't even know why they feel how they feel because they're in a situation like that, like, it just has to come down to the performance and the writing. And I actually think they're kind of they're they're leaving that space. And like, it's something that this series has always played with. Like, did Joel make the right decision at the end of The Last of Us 1, you know? And that's kind of still the question in this game, and mm-hmm. also a bigger question than of like, what is Ellie doing? Like, what is this cycle of violence, you know, perpetuating? I keep thinking, so we go to like, Abby killing Joel, and like, the way she does it, Jesus, it's like, so messed up. Mm-hmm. And you know, it's on she's clearly like very angry at Joel for some reason. From the beginning I'm like, Okay, we're gonna find out what this is about and like why this is happening. And it's gonna make this whole thing like really messy and complicated. But like, I don't know. Like I'm 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 okay not totally knowing how everybody feels at every moment and having to fill in those blanks myself even if the game ends. Mm-hmm.
2: You should just stop playing right now, Kirk. You should leave it right now. <laughs> no, you yeah, might I'm love like, it. You genuinely might love it and I think that'll be fascinating. I'll,
1: yeah, I mean I'll definitely check in with without spoilers. You know, obviously we'll talk about this on the beanscast, but like I'll check in without spoilers once I finish the game. which I'll probably finish this week because I am I'm curious like where they're gonna go I have some guesses as to the rest of yeah I have some guesses based on what Maddie sure, has been saying too. but
0: I, I mm-hmm. do I will say I really really you
2: probably won't guess right because I didn't but go on okay. go on
0: I mean um, should I should I guess it no don't guess no. No, no 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 tell
2: me off air guess okay, off air and later. I will remain um, impassive we'll talk about it <laughs> at
0: the beans cast and I'll say whether I got it right or not but anyway <laughs> I think that um, I, I think the way that they're telling the story is fantastic like the out of order narrative the whole like, oh,
2: yeah. two years ago three that years stuff. ago I yeah. really
0: enjoy that the way that's told and yeah I mean there are a lot of beautiful moments in this game I am i haven't like disliked this game at all so far despite my complaints about the violence that's like a personal gripe but so far I've been enjoying this game or, or whatever the right word is yeah really? I think enjoying it is the right word
2: that's good because somebody has to and otherwise yeah. this wouldn't be a good <laughs> but, show but, so I'm really glad we'll <laughs> that see, we all have we'll different opinions we'll see how
0: we feel when we get to <laughs> the end because it sounds like things are, are turning around mm, at some you'll point you'll
2: love it because you You have to, for the sake of the podcast.
1: (laughs) (laughs) It would have been, I will say, we, Jason and I are in the, like, less, or you were in the unenviable position of having to review this game, which (laughs) is just hard. I mean, playing (laughs) a game like this, I'm playing it and I have my game reviewer brain on it and I'm like, Jesus, like, this is, it was like Red Dead Redemption 2, it was the same thing where it's like, either you, like, what do you even do? Like, how do you sum up an experience like this and, like, render judgment on it? Yeah. It's
2: impossible I'm so grateful I didn't have to put a score on it because it's Jesus, so, yeah, it's a game that it. feels amazing to play. It's so technically yeah. proficient and it arguably succeeds at the thing it's trying to do. I don't think it succeeds at the thing it's trying well, to yeah. do for like subjective art reasons, but I right. also believe that that's completely open to debate and interpretation. And so like trying to review something like this, I mean, I do appreciate the challenge, you know? Like I appreciate that sure. this game is so complicated and wacky in so many ways that that it yeah. is going to invite conversations for a long time, including on this show. So that'll be great.
1: Agree. As I've like really, I am I mean, I've mostly been staying off Twitter, but like so much of the discourse, the early discourse around any game like this sucks just because no one's played it. I know. But <laughs> I really think it's great that games, like I'm really glad there's another game. That's this like really wild, undeniable, massive budget, like thing that's going to provoke a jillion people to go a jillion different directions. Like, irrespective of everything else about it, like, that's just cool. Like, it's not just like, oh, it's an Assassin's Creed game and it's good or whatever. <laughs> Nothing against Assassin's Creed. But you know, like, this is, like, really provocative. And mm-hmm. that, I actually think, is valuable and still kind of rare in video games, or at least, it's less rare than it used to be, but rare in, on this scale. And yeah. I, I actually am kind of uh, valuing that just in playing it. I'm like, this is making me think so many things and, like, have a million conflicting reactions. And, like, that's a, that's nice. Yeah. Agreed. Um, and we will keep talking about
0: it in the weeks to come. Um, so I'm sure. Why don't we take a break and then we'll be back with one more thing. Welcome back to Fireside Chat on KMAX. With me in
2: studio to take your calls is the dopest duo on the West Coast, Oliver Wong and Morgan Rhodes. Go ahead, caller.
0: Hey, uh, I'm looking for a music podcast that's insightful and thoughtful, but like also helps me discover artists and albums that I've never heard of.
2: Yeah, man. Sounds like you need to listen to Heat Rocks every week. Myself and I'm Morgan Rhodes and my co-host here, Oliver Wong, talk to influential guests about a canonical album that has changed their lives.
0: Guests like Moby, Open Mike Eagle, talk about albums
2: by Prince Joni Mitchell and so much more.
0: What's that show called
2: again? Heat Rocks Deep Dives Into Hot Records. Every Thursday on Maximum Fun.
1: Industry.
2: It's like, guess who's coming to dinner meets cruising?
1: And if it helps seal the deal, I can flex my muscles while we record each episode. I'm sorry, this is a podcast? I'm a movie producer. How did you get in here? Iffy, quick,
2: start flexing.
1: Bicep, lats, chest. Who shot you? Dropping every Friday on MaximumFun.org
2: or wherever you listen to podcasts.
0: And we are back, Kirk. Manny, shall we? Shall we do a one more thing? I think we shall. We
2: shall. All right. <laughs> okay.
0: So let me go first because this is going to be a little bit bigger than your average one more thing. Yeah. My one more thing is the reckoning that the video game industry and streaming industry has been facing over the past week. So, a very short version is since Friday uh, of last week. A whole bunch of people, mostly women, have been coming out with their stories about abuse in the video game industry, mostly sexual misconduct, and mostly uh, men who are the culprits in these scenarios. And there have been all sorts of stories. The one that I've been focusing on and writing about for Bloomberg News was Chris Avalon, who is a prolific writer. hes I wouldn't say he was a friend of mine, but we were definitely friendly. He appeared on split screen um, once or twice. I had absolutely no idea, as I think is often the case, that it's like these people who are abusive um, uh, don't are very good at hiding it. Um, But uh, through reporting it, I mean, I heard the same sort of story from multiple women, um, so really shocking stuff and that's just the tip of the iceberg. and then there there have been uh, stories about Ubisoft and Insomniac and people mm-hmm. all across the video game industry some names that like people might have heard of some names people might have seen on Twitter there was one guy who I think had been pr- become pretty um, prominent or, or, not, or at least within certain game spheres over the past few weeks because he was a big advocate for diversity um, in the video game industry and he was accused of rape by a woman so there have been a lot of of a lot of accusations coming out um and it is it feels like we've had like the video game industry has had kind of fits and starts when it comes to its quote-unquote me too moments um i remember last year there was a point when the composer jeremy Soule was accused and it felt like there was this wave but then it kind of died down this i think um is the biggest that i have seen this is definitely the most stories that have come out. Um, so it feels like the video game industry is finally dealing with, with, um, with, with this reckoning uh, in a lot of ways. So yeah, I mean what you guys have been following the stories, right? Uh, Maddie Kirk, who, you guys want to give some thoughts?
2: Yeah, sure. I, I mean, I, we also published a story at Polygon today about cards against humanity and a lot of the complaints of, uh, racism and sexism and just specifically complaints about Max Temkin. There'd been a sexual assault allegation against him made several years ago. And we, uh, interviewed the woman who made it and all of that is in a story at Polygon that folks can read if they want to and so yeah I've definitely spent the past few weeks uh, helping edit that story and also seeing all these other allegations come out and just Thinking about how, in a lot of cases, there are allegations that were made before in some form. Like often several years prior, the person will speak out in some way, not get the support that they wanted at the time or frankly needed at the time. And then they'll have to keep repeating it. And that's just something that's really struck me. I don't have some grand statement to make about Mm. that. It just seems to be the reality of the way these things work, that people will have to continue to repeat the horrible thing that happened until people are actually ready to hear it and, and take action. And this seems like a time when people are more ready to hear it. And that's heartening to me. But I also know how difficult it is to actually oust someone who has a whole lot of social power or financial power in some of these cases. And so... I don't know I guess we'll see what happens with this particular reckoning but Mm -hmm. we have seen some things a little bit like this before in games and a lot of these stories are things people had heard of but like it had never fully been reported before so I'm cautiously optimistic but also realistic about how this will go
0: yeah it feels like such a structural problem like it feels like people in power are gonna abuse that power in some way like more often than not and
2: stay in power because that's easier yeah
0: the problem (laughs) is that people can have these positions of power like we need to reduce the level of power that people can have in any industry but especially the video game industry like nobody should be seen as like the untouchable creative genius like that shouldn't be a role no matter how good a person you are like that shouldn't be anyone's role really Mm -hmm. in such a collaborative field
2: yeah and like changing the way that we talk and joke around about groupies and the idea of that i mean a lot of similar allegations have been emerging in the the comic book industry as well that like a lot of it is about this idea of men like preying on women at events for example and like women who are trying to get into the field like many of these stories bear a lot of similarity to one another and describe this idea of groupies and like that word and the way that we talk about that problem just needs to change fundamentally is really what it is but yeah I agree as well that that it's also damaging for us to be lauding these certain figures as unimpeachable and that's just never gonna work like nobody is unimpeachable and also it's a way for abusive people to just continue to hold on to power and take advantage of that position
1: yeah the groupies thing is a good example of like basically what we're talking about is cultural change and that is a thing that happens across a million different vectors over a long period of time and i think about just my myself like yeah groupies were just a thing people talked about like in the Mm -hmm. usually in the in respect to the music industry but then uh, there are groupies everywhere like in or that is a term that was used you know in every in comics or in video games too and like yeah it's a it's a it's just like normalizing this system that's completely fucked up when you actually look at what it is. And, now we're being forced to do that. That's been my takeaway from this anyways, is that it was easy for me. So like, I, you know, I didn't really know Chris Avalone. He came on the show. He seemed like a chill dude. We talked about video games. And there's a lot of guys, Like, there are people who have been accused in that Ubisoft thread who I like would interview at a press event or something. And you can kind of just never find out who anybody is. And I always, <laughs> that was kind of how, I, I just sort of skated along at games events. And like, I would meet people and kind of keep my distance and just say hi and keep it professional. And it was really easy for me to do that. I think because I never even had to think about it. Which clearly women at these events do have to think about it. It's like right. there literally are predators out there yeah. trying and to like <laughs> take advantage of you.
2: And I think that makes people a little uncomfortable. Like when whenever women talk about like, oh yeah, we all know the names of these guys for and sure. we DM each other about them and there's no way to stop them and like each of us have tried in some form. But like in a lot of cases there'll be names where I guess it's easy for me to say I'm like, these allegations have emerged before, but in many cases, they have Mm -hmm. and so then I'm like well why didn't it work that time and it is because it's so difficult and because you're often the minority like women are still a minority at a lot of gaming spaces and comic book spaces and many creative fields and like that's also true for allegations of racism and just other forms of discrimination that happen in these spaces it's like you are fighting against a huge machine and it's just easier to just DM the other marginalized people that you know and be like these are the people who are assholes try to avoid them but like I don't know how you fix that on a systemic level well
0: it's also tough if you're just one person speaking out and maybe you write a twitter thread or a Tumblr post or something, and you have your de- you details, and you tell this detailed story, and then the dude comes back and says this isn't true, and here's why. Right, and it's like,
2: and I make six figures, and everybody loves me. Yeah. Well,
0: so, but to an outside observer, even putting that aside, even if you're not a fan of somebody, and you're just reading two accounts, it's not quite as like powerful to you as like if multiple women are speaking up. And I right. think with a lot of these cases that have come out, a lot of them have been corroborated. Most of them have been yes. corroborated by multiple women, and I think mm-hmm. that is ultimately what's most powerful because like chances are very low that one woman is going to lie about a case like this but chances are like infinitesimal that like multiple women are all going to get together and decide to lie about a guy like I don't think that's the, the, ever happened as far as I know like I, I don't know why that ha- would happen um, unless it's like a bunch of sock puppet accounts or something Well, yeah. but yeah, yeah that's what's has sticky I think this time is that mm-hmm. like so with that the rape allegation I mentioned earlier something he he the, the guy denied it and wrote a long blog post that was like full of screenshots and texts and I won't get into all the details but he like categorically denied it. But then other people started saying, actually we've heard all these other stories from other women about you. And like people started like like really corroborating it. And that kind of adds a lot of power to the the kind of like for the outside observer who
1: doesn't know what to believe. I think Um, we're seeing a dynamic that is very similar to the initial Me Too movement and the and each mm -hmm. time it happens in a different industry or in a different space where just the sheer volume makes it safer for people to speak up. I mean the thing you were saying, Maddie where it's like, yeah, maybe you could say something, but what would that even accomplish? You know, you feel kind mm-hmm. of alone against this huge machine. Now it's like there's this huge like uh, groundswell of people being like, all right, fine, I'm going to tell this story. And then a bunch of people are like, actually, that guy like did this to me too. And you get yes. that corroboration, and there's this strength in that that, you know, is great. I mean, it actually feels like that is... Different. This feels different to me for that reason. And it's also kind of the pandemic. I think this mm-hmm. I've been thinking about this a lot or listening to people talk about um the Black Lives Matter movement and the huge like shift in public opinion about that that's happened and how it just seems like for whatever reason this time white a lot more white people were like able to listen and Mm -hmm. I think it's that people just have less going on like it really does seem to me Like I
2: think that might be it but I also think that just massive structural injustices have been revealed by the pandemic in the United States on a level that is is unprecedented and I think people are just seeing that yeah that's part of it it is horrific negligence and it affects us all and so therefore it's it's almost easier for you to observe these other forms of injustice that are also present. That's
1: very true. It's like laid Mm -hmm. a groundwork for us to be more aware of that kind of thing. While also there just are fewer distractions and people are online more. And it's like, (laughs) oh, well, I have to look at this thing. And when you look at it, it actually kind of, it like, it's, what's the word? Shit. It's like really hard to find the right word, but it is like important to look at. It It feels important. And you look at it and you're like, okay, this is real. These stories are true. And like, I am glad I looked at this thing. And because it that's like the way that progress can be made or we can move forward so yeah mm-hmm. it does feel like it's it's a good different thing to be happening as painful and awful as it yeah, is yeah I agree it's been as as exhausting and draining as it's
0: been I'm really glad to see this stuff coming to light and I feel like all of these people should be named and just burn it all to the ground to like get it all <laughs> get it all out there mm-hmm. so yeah
2: yeah, yeah man <laughs> burn it all to
1: the ground all right let's do the other two one more things <laughs> yeah let's let's on a lighter note on you guys want to hear about Kirk... my
2: gamer mouse yeah I,
1: I kind of do <laughs> Maddie what's
0: your one more thing tell us about your gamer mouse
2: okay so I got a gamer mouse um it's a razor death adder elite I have to look Ooh. at my mouse to remember the stupid name it has and by stupid I mean freaking cool because it's a gamer mouse I mean it mouse. sounds like a
1: snake because it's deadly <laughs>
2: Yeah. And I'm clicking on heads and those heads belong to people who are dying when I click on them. So I don't know. I'm just really excited about it. It's been a while since I had a gamer mouse. I had a gamer mouse a few years back. It broke. And for a few years, I was like, I don't need a gamer mouse. I'm fine. I can just use Mm -hmm. a regular mouse. It's all good. And then I got a Valorant beta key back when it was still in beta, so like a few weeks ago. Played that game for an hour, instantly remembered that I am no longer 19 years old and playing Counter-Strike all the time. Mm-hmm. Felt bad about myself and then ordered a gamer mouse. And I'm not going to say it's turned my life around. It hasn't, but it is really fun and it has multiple buttons and I can map the buttons to do different things. And I'm enjoying That's exciting. it. It is very exciting. I
1: um, I love, I have a Logitech gamer mouse that I Great. like very much. Kirk, I think you, we have the same mouse. I think you, you recommended it. I think that maybe I, yeah, I think I was like, you should get this mouse. I mean, it's so it's like the one that everyone uses. But I, I keep
0: accidentally hitting the side buttons that like speed it up or slow it down. It's oh like every oh, time yeah, I, move the, and I accidentally
1: hit those buttons. I, I do sometimes, but not anymore. But I have, the thing I like about it that's really cool is that it has weights and you can pop mm. it open and like put weights oh, yeah. in it to make it ha- be like a different weight. When I bought it, yep. I had no idea that was even a thing. Which it totally makes sense that it is. It's but, totally
2: a thing. Mm-hmm, when yeah. I
1: used it, I was uh, I was I was when I first was like, oh, I can like make it a little light. Mm, oh, I like that. I kind of like a heavy. Metal. <laughs> But
2: yeah,
0: <laughs> Maddie. When I was buying my PC, I just asked Kirk for recommendations on everything. That's why you can see I have the same headphones. Kirk. <laughs> yeah. both Great. Same headphones I'm right Jason's now. gear guru. Same, same mouse.
2: Yeah, I should have done that instead. I just googled it, and I was like, "What's a good gamer mouse?". I mean, the,
1: that's like. The- <laughs> The Razer one is the one that wins all the It's that's good I think that they're all good all those.
2: It yeah. is a good one. They're all they're all kind of the same mouse yeah. though. Right, like let's right. be real. Just yeah. Google gamer mouse. Get whatever <laughs> one looks good to you. I recommend it. Treat yourself, you know. Mm-hmm. Get yourself a nice mouse. Nice. What have what have you been up to Kirk?
1: So my one more thing is a movie that I finally watched that I had not seen for some reason. And then I did see, and that movie is Whiplash, the Damien Chazelle movie from, I believe, 2014, which is about a sort of hard-pushing, abusive jazz instructor at a jazz college. And um, every jazz musician in the world has had an opinion about this movie except for me because I'd never seen it. But then I did see it, and I had a lot of opinions about it and actually went and did a different podcast called Carpool Critics with some uh, fun dudes over there and talked and talked and talked and talked about the movie. So I'm partly just, I guess I'm just like hyping a different show that I did. But if people want to hear me talk about Whiplash, because this is a movie that a lot of people have written because I like studied jazz in college and like really did kind of experience the real world version of the totally weird, not accurate and kind of problematic version that they depict in this movie. Um, And, uh, and so I, I, you know, people have asked, you know, what do you think of Whiplash? And I finally saw it. And you can find out. But I'll say just big picture that it's, like, a technically amazing movie that does some really incredible stuff. It won, like, the Academy Award for editing. And the editing is, like, amazing. J.K. Simmons, who plays the teacher, is amazing. He's such a great actor. He won Mm -hmm. the Academy Award for supporting actor for that. But the movie is kind of, like, trying to be this statement about, like, how hard should you push someone for excellence? Which is, like, a really interesting topic for a movie to be about. But but then by, like, making it about jazz, and then by distorting so many things about jazz, and, like, making the stories, like, some of the origin myths of jazz, like, telling wrong versions of them. There's this story about Charlie Parker that he, like, mangles and makes really violent, which isn't what happened. And, like, it winds up kind of being, like, the moral of the story is, yes, you must abuse yourself and be pushed super hard in order to be great. <laughs> and, like... It's so totally whack. Sounds like the video game industry. It's a, yes. there's some similarities. It um it does kind of overlap in some ways and there's even like playing The Last of Us 2 and watching that movie. It's like mm-hmm. a, it's a grueling movie though. It's pretty short, but it's like Every sequence in the movie is like a a nightmare you've had as a musician. You're on the gig, but you don't have music. Or like, you're late. You overslept to the (laughs) first big rehearsal. Like, it's like all these horrible sequences. These are the reasons I didn't
2: watch that movie. I was like, this is going to stress me out too much. It's a stressful movie, yeah.
1: Oh, yeah. It's very stressful. So it's like well-made, but ultimately I think it's like missing an act or like missing a beat or missing some dimension to the story that actually makes mm-hmm. it sort of like makes me really not like the story but if you want to hear me talk at length about that um check out that podcast because it was fun to record and that's my one more thing cool cool
0: awesome yeah. all right so that is it for this week's episode uh, i believe subscribers will be getting the control beans cast in their feeds pretty soon right are we running that in the next week or yes. so yes yes next this coming monday you will get that it's coming monday excellent um otherwise people who are not subscribers we'll see
1: you all next week all right see you next week bye triple click is produced by jason schreier maddie myers and me kirk hamilton i edit and mix the show and also wrote our theme music our show art is by tom dj TripleClick is a proud member of the Maximum Fun Podcast Network, and if you like our show, we hope you'll head over to MaximumFun.org slash join and consider becoming a member. Doing so helps support us and gets you access to an exclusive TripleClick episode each month. Find us online at TripleClickPodcast.com, on Twitter at TripleClickPod, and send email to TripleClick at MaximumFun.org. Thanks for listening. See you next time.